I listen sometimes to music radio, but I'm pretty selective about what I want to hear. So I, I kind of listen to my own music. Um, but I listen, it's kind of weird, I, I'll have to confess. I'm kind of an out-of-place Washington Redskins fan. And so I'm really happy that I can get the internet radio. And so I'm listening to sports radio out of Washington, D.C. I was listening the other day. Sometimes they'd always talk about the Redskins. Sometimes they talk about the Washington Capitals and the Washington Nationals and those things. Sometimes they talk about things completely unrelated to sports. They were talking uh, between two of the little radio guys. They were, they were on the, the, the line. They were talking about movies and their favorite movies beyond just sports movies what their favorite movies were and they started listening now if you're like me and some of you are I'm sorry then when someone starts talking like that on the radio or maybe even live in person and it triggers something in your mind you take off on a rabbit trail you ever done that I did that so I had no idea what the rest of their conversation was about because I immediately began to ask myself hey Jimmy what are your favorite movies now, I grew up, I, I think I learned to love to read by reading comic books, which some of you are going, why didn't you tell me that before I joined this church? I read lots and lots of comic books in middle school and high school. I worked in a grocery store, and they would, you know, when it came time to swap around, they'd tear the covers off. All they had to do was turn the covers back in, and I'd get the comic books. So I read lots and lots and lots of comic books. And so when these comic book hero, superhero movies come out, I certainly, I go see those. But you know, none of those made my list. As a matter of fact, the movies that made my list were those movies that I could watch at any time. And in fact, if they come on TV, the, the whole world stops and I sit there and I watch, no matter how many times I've seen it, I really only had four movies on my list. And the interesting thing is they were all kind of redemption stories. I'm going to give you my list right now. Now, here's what's going to happen because some of you are like me. You're already thinking about your list, right? Okay, this, this is about my list. You hang on. You can get your list later. You can write it down. Okay, here's my list. First and the, my favorite movie of all time, It's a Wonderful Life. Now, if you've seen the movie, don't watch the colorized version. If you hadn't seen it, watch the black and white version. That's, that's, that's the way it's designed. That's the way it's most impactful it's a wonderful life it's a story of a guy named george bailey played by jimmy stewart and his world falls completely apart some of you are waiting for the movie clip there's no movie clip i'm sorry that was last week okay his world falls apart through no fault of his own a series of unfortunate circumstances happen and he's left holding the bag and yet in that story, we, he finds redemption because of the intervention of an angel and also because of the love of his family and the love of his community of friends. It's a beautiful redemption story. Another movie that made my list, again, I only had four on the list, was A Christmas Carol. Now, mine aren't all Christmas movies. A Christmas Carol is the story of Ebenezer Scrooge. I love this I like this story so much, I made my family listen to it on tape driving from Savannah to Macon. They, they will never forget it, nor will they ever forgive me. 
But I, I love this story. It's a great redemption story because this guy, Ebenezer Scrooge, he is a skin flint. He is a tightwad. He is self-centered. He's doesn't think about anybody but himself. And because of three spirits who came to him on Christmas Eve, he was redeemed. His life was changed and he became a tremendously generous person in this story. The third movie is also a holiday movie, but it doesn't have anything to do with Christmas. It's actually my second favorite holiday, which is Groundhog Day. It's a long story, I'll tell you, if you come to begin with grace. Okay, Bill Murray plays this very unlikable newscaster. And he, he's gone to report on Groundhog Day in Puxatani Phil. He's gone to report on this. And you, you see this guy and you really, you really don't like him. You want to like him because he's Bill Murray. He's a likable guy. But you, you just don't like this guy. Well, now his thing is a little different. His life is radically changed because he has to live the same day over and over and over and over and over again until he finally learns what he needs to learn. And, 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 and it's just, he's kind of redeemed at the end because he becomes an, an infinitely likable character. Now, the fourth movie has nothing to do with any holiday. And I really like this movie. It is Rudy. So have you seen this movie? Rudy is a story of a guy that's too small and too slow to play football at Notre Dame, but that's his passion. And he's, he, he makes the team as on the, you know, kind of the practice squad. He makes the team. He never gets to play, never gets to dress out. And so, you know, he's just kind of, kind of left in the, in, in the, in the dust, all these other players. But he works hard. His whole heart is in it. Now, what you see is at the end of the movie, he had a previous coach that promised to put him in. They got a new coach who wouldn't play him. The players finally got together and at least got him to dress out for that game. And then in that game, they schemed together, those players, to get him on the field. And what you see at the end of the movie is Rudy with his dad in the stands and all these people cheering for him, making a tackle, something completely unlikely and unexpected. And he's carried off the field on the shoulders of his teammates. What a redemption story. And so it seems that I've kind of got a theme for movies that I like. But the greatest redemption story is not a movie. It's a real story because Easter is a redemption story. In fact, it is my redemption story. And for many of you, it is your redemption story. What does redemption mean? Well, it's got a simple definition. It means the act of being saved from some error or saved from some evil. And in order for that to take place, there's a price that has to be paid. But here's the thing about redemption. The price is paid by someone other than the one who owes the debt. That's what redemption is. If you, if you go and you pay off your own debt, that's not redemption. But if someone pays it off for you, then you are considered to be redeemed. Redemption requires sacrifice. 
And that truly is the story of Easter. That Passion Week leading up to the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. And so we celebrate Easter not because of Cadbury cream eggs, not because of Reese's candy eggs, not because of Easter baskets or Easter bunnies, not even because of those new Easter outfits that you got to go out and buy this week. That's woohoo, I got a woohoo over here. Okay, somebody, somebody's excited about that. But that's not why we celebrate Easter. We celebrate Easter because we have a Savior who redeemed us with his own blood and went beyond just redeeming us with his own blood. He sealed it when he burst the Roman seal off the tomb and came out alive and victorious. This, this is the story of Easter. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is something we receive by faith, whoever believes in him. It's not something we earn. It's not something we deserve. We don't build up enough credits and then go cash it in. It is something that is only received by faith in Jesus Christ. It is entrusting in him that our sins can be washed away. Our slate can be made clean. It's only by the blood of Jesus. And so this morning, I want to share with you one simple verse. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And it says this, Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Father, help us to understand and apply this word to our lives. This is a word that you are speaking to someone today. Give them ears to hear and a heart to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. What this verse tells me is that if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, then you are a new creation. You're not a new creation based on your performance. And you're a new creation even on days when you don't feel like it. You know, we, we base a lot of stuff, our stuff on feelings. But you're a new creation whether you feel like it or not. The new creation is a promise from God that is to be believed and received. And so I can say today, in Christ, I am made new. So I want to spend the next few minutes to kind of answer the question, what does it mean to be made new in Christ? And I want to do it by sharing four, let's call them gifts, four gifts that we receive because we are part of of this new creation in Christ. And so let's look at the first one. The first one is this. Because we are a new creation, we have a new relationship. Because we're a new creation, we have a new relationship. When we embrace Jesus Christ as our Savior, God gives us a new... We enter into a new relationship. 
Now, this may surprise some of you, but even though everyone is a creation of God, we are not all children of God. I want you to listen to that because that's kind of a, a misnomer. We're children of God in the sense that God created us all. But there is a unique relationship that comes only through Jesus Christ that makes us God's real children. Once, the Bible says, you and I were separated from God because of our sins. As a matter of fact, it was even worse than separated. The Bible says that we were alienated from Him. Specifically, in Ephesians 2, it says that we were excluded and without hope and without God. Now, that's a pretty bad place to be. Before we came to know Jesus as Savior, we were excluded. We were not God's children. We were the kids out on the street who couldn't get in the house. We were the orphans. We were, the, we were abandoned. We were just out there in the world. We were alienated from God. We were excluded without hope and without God. But in Jesus, everything changes. John wrote in 1 John, To all who received Jesus, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. And Paul would later write in Galate, to the church in Galatia, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So when you commit your life to Christ, When you become a Christian, you enter into a new relationship. And I want you to hear this. The king of the universe. The one who could speak and stars just had to happen. The one who speak and galaxies formed. This God, this God wants to be your daddy. The king of the universe can be your father. And you can be his child. Spiritually reborn into a new kingdom and a new family. Now, listen, we don't force our way into God's family. We are invited. And we simply accept. Does that blow anybody's mind? That God would love you so much that he would invite you into his family. I got a feeling in a room this large with this many people in it that there's some people who know that God has been kind of tapping on the door of their heart and inviting them to let him in. I just want to encourage you today to consider doing that very thing. To swing wide open that door and say, God, you come in. You be my God. You be my Father. I want to be your child through faith in your son, Jesus. Now, some of you, when you came in, you you saw the believe, belong, become up on the the little sign that's up on the wall. When we say believe, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about putting your trust, your confidence, your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. So that's the first gift. We enter into a new relationship. The second gift is this. Because we're a new creation, we have a new citizenship. 
a new citizenship. Now, I am a citizen of the United States of America, as are many of you. And with that citizenship come certain rights and privileges, and of course, there are responsibilities. But I have a dual citizenship. I am also a citizen of heaven. That's kind of weird, isn't it? I'm a citizen of the United States, but I'm also a citizen of heaven because the Apostle Paul wrote, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So on the one hand, I have an allegiance to the United States. I do not have a problem putting my hand over my heart, facing toward the flag, saying I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I don't have a problem with that because I have an allegiance to this nation into which I was born. I am to be a good citizen. That means there are a number of things that I am to do. I'm to pay my taxes, which is right now, you know, you you pay your taxes. Uh, You're called to serve on juries. Perhaps you're called up to serve in the military, as some of you have been called to serve in the military. There are certain things that you do because you have responsibilities in this nation to vote for candidates, to run for office, to do those kinds of things. It is, they are privileges and responsibilities of being a citizen of the United States. But I also belong to the kingdom of God. And I got to tell you, the privileges of being a part of the kingdom of God far outweigh anything that the United States could hope to offer me. Because what is offered to me is eternal. It's forever. There is no end. And so I rejoice in that. Now, most of the duties, most of the responsibilities I have towards the United States, I can perform those things without any conflict at all to my relationship with God, okay? I can hold this dual citizenship and, and not feel that, 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 that God is getting squashed over here because of my responsibilities to my country. But if it ever does come to it, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if I've got to make a choice, if I've got to stand somewhere, as much as I love the United States of America, my primary allegiance, I'm not trying to insult anybody, but my primary allegiance is to the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, Peter would say in Acts chapter 5, we must obey God rather than men. If it ever comes to it, now, you say, well, it would never happen in the United States of America, and I hope that it doesn't. But i got to tell you, around the world, it happens all the time, and we don't even get to read a fraction of the times where believers are killed because of their faith, not just by radical terrorist groups, but by governments. It's happening. And so I hope we never get to that point. We're taught in Scripture to pray God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done on earth as it already is in heaven. And someday the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 11 that the world's kingdoms will become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ and He will reign forever and ever. So my passport, it tells me I'm an American citizen. But my name is also written in the Lamb's book of life in heaven. And there it will forever remain until my name is called and I go home. And so, two of the gifts I have, 
I have a new relationship. I also have a new citizenship. The third gift is this. Because we're a new creation, uh, we have a new family. And I love this. This doesn't mean you turn your back on your old family. It doesn't turn, you're not turning your back on your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, your children. We're not talking about that. But what I'm saying here is when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, then those who believe with you, they are your brothers and sisters. They are your family. You not only have a new relationship with God, you have a new relationship with God's children. It's an interesting endeavor. You may want to do this with a concordance or with a computer. If you go and look up in the New Testament one another or each other and you look those verses up, there are about 59 verses in the New Testament that talk about one another and each other and is specifically talking about how we are to respond to each other, how we're to live in relationship with one another, how we are to love one another and care for one another and put others' needs above our own needs and serve one another. The list goes on and on and on and on, and it is a glorious list. And I got to tell you what, if you read through those, if you look at those, and then you look at the, the pattern of the world, how the world tells you to treat other people, they don't even, they don't even come close to matching. And so what God has called us into is an absolutely new family relationship where hatred and animosity and backbiting are not the norm, but where love and mercy and forgiveness and restoration, that's what family looks like in the kingdom of God. And you and I have been invited into that new family. And I I, I love the family of God. And one of the greatest blessings I get to see is how the family of God responds to one another in times of need. And how the family comes together and stands together and sings together and worships together and serves together and loves together and reaches out together. Boy, that is the most... For a pastor... That blows you away when you get to see that. But some of the times that are the hardest for me is when I see someone unplug from the life of the family. And they lose that encouragement and they lose that accountability and they, they lose that inclusion. And, and we, it's, none of you would do this, but uh, you know, use your, your imagination you just go home this afternoon and, and you know, instead of taking your normal nap, you just go get a pair of scissors and, or, or, or you know, a knife or a chainsaw and you start cutting off body parts. Would, do you think that might be a little painful? Yeah, I'm thinking it might be. I can't say it's the same, but I can tell you this. When I see people who are intimately connected in the family of God drift off, it pains me, not just because of what I'm missing and you're missing, but because of what they're missing, being part of the life of the family of God. And so one of the greatest gifts that God gives us is that when we come into this relationship with Christ, being a new creation means we have a new family. And listen, the fourth gift, and I'm going to wrap this up, is this. 
Because we're a new creation, we have a new purpose. We have a new purpose. You look at me and you go, okay, he's a pastor, so he's always been deeply religious and spiritual, and he's followed Jesus, and he's never done any of these things that we see on TV. Uh, this, this is what I envision. But there was a time before I knew Christ when my life had zero direction, zero purpose, and quite frankly, zero meaning. That's what my life was like without Christ. I was drifting along. I had no, no anchor to hold me. And, and some of you, if you're here today, you, you have to admit, you know what, that, that kind of sounds a little bit like my life. I'm just kind of drifting through life. I, I really don't have an anchor, and, and, and I just kind of feel like I'm in the current, and I'm helpless to do anything about it. And I'm helpless to change. Well, it was only when I came to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and Lord that my life changed. And it didn't become perfect. But from that moment on, I had purpose. I knew why I was here. I knew that I had an eternal destiny and that I had a calling in this life. And life finally began to make sense. When you have a sense of purpose and meaning, then you can finally say no to some things that have been holding tightly to you and yes to some things that can set you free. But until you know life has meaning and purpose, you keep going back and back and back and back. One of the grossest verses in the Bible is a dog returns to its vomit. Some of you right some of you right now cuz I know you you're going to your little mobile device and you're looking that one up. You don't you don't believe me. It's in there. A dog will return to its vomit. And you go, "Well, that's about the grossest thing that I've heard all day." Yeah, it is pretty gross. But some of you can honestly look back at your life and go, "Yeah, I can see times in my life where I went right back to that stuff I knew it was nasty. I knew it was, was not good for me. I knew it was detrimental to me in so many ways, but I kept going back to it and going back to it and going back to it. And it was only when I came to know Jesus Christ that I was finally able to say no because God's got something better. There's no need for me to go back to that anymore. If you were with us last week, we shared a new set of priorities for those who follow Christ. And we used a simple acrostic joy, which some of you have heard this before. is nothing new under the sun. Jesus, others, and you. To look at that as a priority for your life. Not to always look out for me, 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 me. But to put Jesus in front. And to look after the needs of others, even ahead of your own. And when you come into faith with Jesus Christ and you get a new purpose, then you come to understand that I am here to glorify God and to bless others in Jesus' name. We began to think of ourselves less and began to think of other people and we began to align our priorities with God's priorities and our heartbeat begins to beat in rhythm with God's heart. And it can shift the entire course of your life. No longer is it just about making me happy. Now, 
I want to make the heart of God happy. I want to make my father smile. And I want to do more than that. I want to make a difference in the lives of other people. You know, formerly it's just about making my life good. Now I want to bring good to someone else. I want to take this light that has been shined into my life and I want to begin to shine it in the lives of other people. But it only happens if this is your purpose. Otherwise, the why dominates everything. It's you, it's you, it's you, it's you. It's what I want, it's what, what makes me happy, it's what makes me fulfilled. But when you find this purpose in life, everything changes. When we talk about becoming, this is what we're talking about. I want to be more like Jesus daily in my attitude and my action. And Jesus came to serve and not to be served. Pretty powerful stuff. Well, as we kind of land this plane, no matter what people have said about you or even saying about you now, no matter how badly you've blown it in the past or how badly you're blowing it, right now no matter what skeletons you have in your closet or even how many skeletons you have in your closet no matter how guilt-ridden you may have felt when you came into this place today you can start a new beginning today this can be a new beginning for you here's what the bible tells us all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god Now, that all is pretty inclusive. That means every one of us. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so your life is a little bit like Humpty Dumpty at the base of the wall. Shattered, broken beyond repair. No one else can put it together. It's a little beyond hope, a a lot beyond help. And that's your life. Except Jesus can make all things new. What people can't do, what you can't do, he can do. He can make you new. Jesus made it clear. He says, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So here's the simple truth. You can spend your life turning over leaf after new leaf after new leaf after new leaf. You can make annually a long list of New Year's resolutions over and over and over again. You could try every self-help technique that comes down the pipe. But what you truly need is a new beginning, a new start, a new heart, a new mind, a new life. And you can only find that in Jesus Christ. That's it. You begin by admitting you're a sinner. For most of us, it's not that hard. We recognize we're a sinner. But what we may not know is that sin separates us from God. It makes us unclean in the presence of a holy God. There's no way we can enter into God's presence in that condition. That sounds pretty hopeless, doesn't it? Except the Bible tells us to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll be saved. In other words, that hopeless condition, there is hope. That helpless condition, there is help. 
It's in Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Listen to this promise of God. Some of you need to hear this this morning. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know that invitation I talked about earlier? Here it is. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so the question I ask you is, are you ready to call on Him today? Is this your day? Are you ready to start a new beginning? Some of you need to start that by coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Some of you need to start it by becoming a part of the life of a local church. And maybe this Grace Fellowship is where God is leading you. Some of you just need to lay some stuff down. We've kind of cleared the step area here. If you want to just come and kind of use this as an altar to begin again with God, do so. We'll do everything that we can to help you. We'll come alongside you. We'll pray for you. We'll encourage you. We'll we'll give you whatever you need to help you get from where you are to where God wants you to be. But if you're here this morning and what you need more than anything else is a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'd like to help you right now. I'd like to pray for you and help you to pray. And so if this is you that I'm talking to and you know you are, and you're saying today's the day of salvation for me, today's the day of my new beginning, today I'm ready to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and begin to follow Him, then I'm going to give you a prayer that if, you're on, if, you, if you mean it in your heart, then God will hear it and He'll honor it. And I'm just going to ask you to pray along with that prayer silently right where you are. I will not ask you to stand up in front of everybody else, at least not right now. There'll come a time for that. But if you've made a decision today and you're ready to take that step, this is the perfect day, Easter morning, to be able to do that. I'll ask you all to bow your heads and close your eyes. And this is just to keep distractions down. If you've got children, kind of kind of keep them, keep them a little quiet now. If you kind of stay quiet now because there's some people who may need to do business with God. And if this is you that I'm talking to and you know it's you, then I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. And you just follow along silently, speaking the words from your heart. Father, I know that I've broken both your law and your heart. My sins have separated me from you. I want to tell you, Father, I'm sorry. I'm truly sorry. And I want to turn away from my past sinful life and turn to you. Forgive me. Help me to avoid walking in those ways again. I believe that your son, Jesus, died for my sins. He was resurrected from the dead and is alive forevermore. I believe that you hear my prayer today. And I invite Jesus to become Lord of my life, to rule and to reign in my heart from this day forward. 
Send your Holy Spirit to help me hear you, to help me listen, to help me obey, to help me follow, to help me do your will for the rest of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye still closed, please, I just want to ask you again. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. Nobody's looking around right now except me. I've got my eyes open. Everybody else should have their closed. If you prayed that prayer this morning for the first time and you made a heartfelt commitment to Jesus Christ, would you just raise your hand up so I can see it? Because I want to pray for you. Just raise your hand. Okay. I see some hands over here. I have another hand. Thank you. You can put your hand down right now. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, decisions are made this morning that not only affect today, but affect eternity. And Father, I pray that you will give those who've made those decisions the boldness to share it, either with me this morning or with someone else soon. Lord, that you'd help them to find a church home where they could connect and begin to grow. Lord, we celebrate with the angels. Because your word says, when that lost sheep is found, when that sinner comes home, that the angels start to party. And Lord, we want to join in that celebration and rejoice with them. Lord, thank you for salvation. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for hope. Thank you for life. Thank you for a Christian family. Thank you for a citizenship in heaven. And thank you that you want to be our daddy. And you want us to be your kid. And so, Lord, help that one who started to follow you today. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.